Welcome to Dominion Today with Kevin and Chantel Davis, a podcast where you will learn how to discover your calling, live your purpose, and fulfill your destiny. By listening to these episodes, you'll build the confidence you need to operate in dominion and authority so you can walk in the revelation of the victory that belongs to you in Christ Jesus. Now, here's your host, Kevin Davis. So for this morning, I want to share something with you that is extremely important. About a year ago, I released a a word, a message that was simply titled, How to Become a Person of Value. For those of you who have already come into membership and for those of you still wanting to come into membership, we're going to have our membership intake next week, Sunday. And so if you knew and you still want to be part of that or to be considered to be part of that, you have to get in your membership application ASAP. But as part of the application process, call it the prerequisites, is that you would listen to a teaching how to become a person of value. And so I want to touch on some of those things that I had shared about a year ago, but I also want to deal with some very important aspects pertaining to becoming that person of value by first and foremost understanding the law of value, of what it means to be valuable. What does it look like to be valuable? How will you know when you truly have become a person of value. I want to start first and foremost in making you understand that the Word of God clearly reveals to us in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28, that we as human beings were created in God's very own image after His likeness. And that is important because it is that which gives us true value. That irrespective of who you are, the very fact that you are a human being, regardless of the color of your skin, regardless of the language you speak, regardless of your nationality, where you were born, where you grew up, or even how you grew up, irrespective of your ethnicity or your cultural heritage and background, irrespective of where you even find yourself today. But let me say something that might challenge our way of thinking. Irrespective of where we find those around us, Irrespective of whether or not someone is a criminal in prison for the most heinous of crimes that have been committed. Irrespective of someone being a terrorist. Irrespective of what someone has done, the crimes they had committed, the things they've seen, the things they've been involved in. Irrespective of all of those things, we have to get to the base of it all, the source of it all. That irrespective of who you are, of what you've done, of where you've been and what you've seen, 
You are a human being. And because you are a human being, irrespective of what we have done and got involved with to taint that picture and that reality, you were created in His image after His likeness. Because you see, we are quick to look at someone, judging them by their actions, their words, or even their inactions. That which they don't do, that they should do. And we tend not to value someone because of those things. And yet we are so blessed with the understanding that God does not go about things in that fashion. Having the revelation this morning that while we were still sinners, He loved us. That while you were involved with what you were involved in and what you were involved with and who you were involved with, irrespective of those things, even then he said, I love you. And you know what? I've already made a way for you 2,000 years ago by sending my one and only son that he who knew no sin became sin so that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so I want you to settle it with it within yourself this morning is that you are not only loved, but you are so loved. For God not only loved, God so loved the world that He gave. Love means nothing without a demonstration of love. You cannot just say, I love. You have to demonstrate your love. You have to prove your love. It's easy to say, I love. Prove your love by your action. What are you willing to give? What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to lay down? Jesus loved us so much that he laid down his life. He gave his life for us. He gave his life for you. And no one will know you better than you know you. And so you know just how precious that blood is. And what that blood was able to do and ransom you out of. Because a price had to be paid to take you from where you were into where you are now. You could have been anywhere right now. You could have been right here this morning, high on drugs right now. You could have been here this morning, only just now waking up in a room that you do not even know, or waking up next to some sort of street corner, not even knowing where you are or what happened the night before. And yet here you are, in the house of the Lord, in the presence of God. If that is not grace, I do not know what is. And again, you and you alone will truly know 
and truly appreciate just how much he loves you. Knowing what he has saved you from. What he has set you free from. But not only did he go and in essence accomplish the first phase of just saving you. Of ransoming you. He has offered you abundant overflowing life. Isn't it incredible that not only does he save you. His grace not only saves you. His grace not only plucks you from the clutches of hell. His grace does not only save you from the fiery torment of the flames of hell. But His grace sets your feet upon solid ground. That He empowers you to prosper. That He gives you the ability to create wealth. And that He tells you that the next step you take should be a step of dominion. That whatever comes your way, that whatever happens, that whatever people say, that whatever happens in the economy, that whatever happens politically, whatever happens across the world, has no bearing on you or your life. That you can rise above it all. Because you are seated in Christ in heavenly places. You are positioned in Him. And you are encapsulated by His love. And so let that once more cause a boldness to rise up on the inside of you. Boldness comes by knowing just how much you are loved. That you are not only loved, you are so loved. And so this is why we have to understand just how valuable we are in His sight. That you were worth dying for. Jesus could have said, Father, I cannot pay this price. Not for that one. Not for that one. Especially not for that one. But he did not. Although he cried out to his father. And where we could see the humanity of Jesus. On that night after he was betrayed. And after he was left alone. By his three disciples who could not even wait with him a one hour. And pray with him. Intercede with him and for him. Where Jesus cried out and said, Father, if it is at all possible, let this cup be removed from me. Yet let not my will but your will be done. And after he was betrayed, just think about that, after he was betrayed. For many of us, that could have already been where we draw the line. I'm done with this. And in this time of need, in this time of trouble and torment that we as human beings cannot even begin to comprehend or understand. Where he was at the point of death already in the garden of Gethsemane because of the stress that fell upon him. He was under such stress and strain 
that the blood vessels in his forehead poof, exploded. That blood fell to the ground as a result of the anguish that he was under. And then he comes to the disciples, not once, not twice, but three times, finding them asleep. After he pleaded with it, please stand with me, watch and pray with me and for me. But they could not. That could have been the moment where he could have said, I'm done. When Peter took out the sword and took a swing at the Jewish God, even removing Malchus's ear, that could have been the moment where Jesus could have said, defend me. That could have been the moment where he could have said to Peter, listen, take them all out. Take as many as you can. And Jesus could have run away, but instead he did not. He handed himself over. You see, Jesus said that he understood and he had the revelation that no one can take his life from him. But he willingly lays it down. And you know what? He takes it up again. That's power. That's authority. That's dominion. And so this is why I have to start with these words this morning. To light a fire on the inside of you. Is, and it's this. It's for us all to make up our minds to become valuable. To be valuable. To make the decision to no longer just be mediocre, not just be average. You do not just want to be like everyone else. You want to be, you need to be the person that stands out. So that when it comes time for that job promotion, your name doesn't have to come out of a place of obscurity. It pretty much has to just be a, call it a pure formality. Because everyone, not only those at the top level, the executive level, the directors, the board of trustees, the whatever you want to call them. Not only have they recognized you, but even your peers. So that when you get appointed or then when you get promoted... Everyone would be able to say, we saw that coming. But isn't it interesting that often what you have among your peers is the moment you are promoted because everyone saw it coming, then they want to accuse, you know, nepotism or favoritism or this ism or that ism. But we have to understand that in the kingdom of God, rewards always follow value. And those who have, there will be those that you will minister to. There will be those that you will be friends with. But even friendship has levels. We all can understand that. Then there's going to be individuals that you want to surround yourself with. People who aspire to greatness. People whose lives speak of excellence. Now, isn't it interesting that the moment we even talk about excellence and pursuing excellence, do you know that it is a godly attribute, 
excellence. The word of God declares that how excellent is his name. How excellent is his name. Excellence is an attribute of God. And this is why God demands excellence. In every single thing that you do, it should be marked by excellence. This is why you could look at even the way in which people dress. You could look at the things that they have. And you can see how people take care of that which they have. Because you could have a, if you wear a suit, let's say, you could buy a 10,000 rand suit, 20,000 rand suit, 50,000, 100,000 rand suit. But how many of you know that you could purchase a suit for a few hundred rands? And if you tailor it and iron it or press it or dry clean it, whatever is required to get it all neat and tidy, it will look better than a suit that costs tens of thousands of rands that's not cared for. It's not looked after. In the same way that 300 rand shoes can look better because it has been polished and buffed, cleaned, cared for than shoes that cost 20,000 rands that's never seen a day of polish. Some shoes are crying out. You can hear them. They say, nugget, nugget, kiwi. And if it's leather, it's saying dubbin. You get what I'm saying? Excellence, excellence. So what does it mean to be valuable? Last year I shared this. I just want to do this and then go into something else. But what does it mean to be valuable? Three things. Number one is to have the capacity to provide solutions. Capacity doesn't just come. So in order for you to be someone who brings about the solutions to your workplace's problems, to a local government's problems, a local community's problems, the classroom's problems, your department's problems. I can go on and get very specific. Because a lot of times people think, well, I'm not there. I'm not important. No, you are. Because you will have situations even in your own home that require solutions. You will have things in your marriage that require solutions. You will have things that happen in your children's lives that require solutions. In the workplace, solutions. In your community, solutions. The problem with many people and many Christians, unfortunately, is they want to remove themselves from society, from the family, and say, well, at least I have Jesus. 
You need to be able to be a person of influence. But you cannot be a person of influence when you have not become valuable. You need to increase your capacity. How do you do that? Not only with mere knowledge, but you have to go through the hard knocks of life. This is why I embrace challenges. Because every challenge that comes my way, I see and appreciate as an opportunity for me to increase my capacity. If you are still contending with the same problems as 2022, you have not grown. If you have, are still contending with the same problems, not able to bring a solution to things from five years ago, ten years ago, you are stagnant to the point of death. And so you need to have a capacity to provide solutions. Solutions that are both needed and useful. It sometimes blows my mind how some people come up with supposed solutions that in essence is all about just reinventing the wheel. Doing that which has been done before. The definition of insanity, according to Albert Einstein, is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different outcome. If we've tried it 50 times and it has not worked, it is important, imperative to go back to the drawing board and come back with a new solution. Because so many people just love Talking, talking, talking. If, if I was the leader, I would do this. Everyone has been doing that. It's not worked. This time it's going to be different. No, it's not. Come up with something new. Come up with something fresh. Number two is to be a carrier of something for which people would inconvenience themselves in order to get to you. That they would inconvenience themselves to get to you. That's where you know and when you and how you know that you have become a person of value. When you deem someone to be valuable, you will get to that person even if it means utter inconvenience. Which is why even last week, if you were to tell me last week you wanted to have a meeting with me, last week I had many things planned. Many meetings, many things, and I'm busy dealing with a lot of big, big things at the moment exciting things. Last week I shared some of those things with you pertaining to land, pertaining to even the campus in Booster. So many things that are happening. I was needing to travel to different parts, see different people, things that I had booked, things that I had planned. And yet Monday morning when I received a phone call from my father stating that my grandfather has just been taken to the hospital, doctors are saying, let the family come. I immediately went and I booked a plane ticket to be able to go down. And within hours, I was at the airport flying down. And as I was going down to the airport, I was canceling appointment after appointment after appointment after appointment. If someone was going to message me and say to me, Kevin, I need to see you. I've got a check for you for 10 million rands and you have to be there. I would not make any arrangement to cut my time short, not being at the funeral for the sake of 10 million rands. Because I needed to be with my family. 
And that is how you know when you have gotten to a place where people realize and recognize your value, your unique contribution. And let me just say this, it ties in with honor. I have spoken of honor on so many occasions, even last week, that it, the way in which we are able to enter a realm of financial dominion, we have to be able to know and become familiar with bestowing honor. And so it's about honoring. You know, I went to Port Elizabeth not even knowing that, you know, I would be the one to be asked to conduct the funeral service. I mean, my father is obviously the, in essence, the head of the family. He's the firstborn. But you can imagine what it is like for you as a son to bury your father. And so they asked me. And I'm like, family, I know I'm a big guy, but my heart is like this. <laughs> and I just prayed for supernatural strength. And then I had to conduct the funeral in Afrikaans. I mean, I, knew, I know I grew up Afrikaans. I had it groot geword Afrikaans. Afrikaans law school, Afrikaans word school. But everything pertaining to, call it church, my own faith walk. I mean, I, I pray English. I read English. I think English. So for me to do a service in Afrikaans, it was but I must say, I think I aced it. <laughs> the time spent in the Dutch Reformed Church, the Ingekerk, I mean, it all came back to me. And also something I must say, which, which occurred to me, which was very interesting. In one of the other teachings I've asked you all, if you remember, you would have listened to that if you didn't even listen to that necessarily in person that day or days that I shared it. When I spoke about the the order of, of a son. Well, I spoke to you about a royal son, where eventually, and even a while back, I spoke to you about Isaac and the fight that he had, obviously, with, you know, his brother. Well, well, Isaac later, who had his son, Jacob and Esau, and they had a fight, that's what I mean. And, um, you know, with Isaac, who was going to bless his son, the firstborn blessing that was going to be bestowed upon the son, the older son. And the one thing I realize even in this time is, is a shifting that takes place. When my grandfather now, not there anymore, and it's like everything shifts in the family. You know, I go from my aunt who still, she's like the only person in the world who still calls me Kevinki. <laughs> And yet, despite that, you know, there is such understanding of the fact that I have matured, I have become, I have a unique contribution that I can make to the family. And you see the shifting where all of a sudden, you know, the way I grew up, children were required to only be seen and not heard. As jy gesit het in die voorhuis, om die oma en die opa en die ooms en die tannies, dan is het, tel die tanne, 
gaan speel, gaan speel. That's how it was back then. I'm sure many of you even here this morning can relate to that and to relate to that time. Things were different. But seeing the shifting where all of a sudden, you know, you are handed paperwork of that which belongs to the adults, the groot mensa, and where your opinion is asked, and where there's a demand placed on your expertise, on your knowledge, on your experience, and they want to draw from that. And I realized just what it means to become that fully mature son, the one who is positioned, and the one in essence who is already getting ready to be ultimately positioned as the head of the family. I saw that, and I realized that. And then number three is how do you know that you've become a person of value is that you have an audience that's filled with people who are great. Where you have an audience of people who are great. I'm not just talking about a setting like this morning where you have someone, where you have influential people in a single room. That's great and that happens and it should happen. But do you know how many people would listen to you or who are even looking at you and listening to you that you might not even be aware of, that you might not even know of? Even now during the time at the funeral, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to people and they watch us. <laughs> they listen to my podcasts. I had no idea. I mean, I, again, you know, at, at a funeral, you, you sometimes meet family that you didn't even know you had. <laughs> And they tell me, they, they're watching. I mean, they know everything about my life. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> I don't know. And it's like, and then, then they would say, the last time I saw you, you were like this, you know? I'm like, sorry, but I can't remember. And I was like, no, you wouldn't remember because you were like this. Okay. But they watch us. They listen to us. They would inconvenience themselves to make time in their busy schedule during the week to listen to my podcast, to listen to my preaching. And I don't even know of them. People of influence in their own right. People of stature. But understand this as well. Is even when you have become a person of value, not everyone will recognize or appreciate your value. John 1, listen to this in the Amplified Classic. John chapter 1 verse 10 to 12. This is speaking of Jesus Christ. If he was not a person of value, I do not know who will be. But it says that he, Jesus, came into the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. They did not know him. He came to that which belonged to him, to his own, to his own domain, his own creation, his own things, his own world. And they who were his own did not receive him and did not welcome him. But to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the authority, the power, the privilege, and the right to become the children of God. That is, to those who believe in, who adhere to and trust and rely on his name. So here we have in one portion of scripture we, we see and recognize that here is a person, a man 
who has become valuable. He is inherently valuable. But he comes to his own and his own did not receive him. He comes to the world that he had created. And his own world, his own creation, his own domain did not recognize him. Yet, those who do, the few who do, those who do recognize his value and place a demand on that value that comes by virtue of relationship. There comes power, authority, and a right, a privilege to become children of God. Of you to be elevated and to be positioned as a son of God. That's powerful. And so it's not about just becoming a person of value. But it's also getting to that place where people would actually recognize and appreciate your value. But understand not everyone will. In John chapter 4, just a few pages on, verse 10. Jesus encounters this woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. Many just regard her as the woman at the well. And she also could see that there was something, call it precarious about Jesus. There was something going on about this person that she was encountering. He was not the norm. He challenged the status quo. He he was different. So she knew that something was happening, that he is someone who is not your average Jew. There's something different about him. But then Jesus, who understands his value, speaks to this woman who realizes there's something different, but she could not yet see his true value. Therefore, she could not really just already tap into his true value. Jesus says these words, If you had only known and had recognized, there it is again, recognition, to recognize God's gift. And who this is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him instead, and he would have given you living water. She recognized that he was different. That he was not the norm. But she failed to recognize at first the real value. Here she was having casual conversation with him about water and a well. Oh, you want water. You know, you're going to give me water. You you don't even have a pitcher. You don't even have a jug. How are you going to get the water? How, you know, not understanding who he is, not understanding his true value. And this is why so many Christians even fall short. Because they know that in essence Christianity is different than other religions, but that is as far as the revelation goes. I I know, you know, Christianity is different, you know. It's, It's not about a religion, it's a relationship. And that's as far as it goes. For so many. Unless you truly have the revelation of who he is. 
and truly understanding his value and fail to place a demand on that value by virtue of relationship, you're never going to tap in. And this is why we get so caught up in asking for material things. We get so caught up about asking for the physical water and talking about all the limitations of how are we going to get the water. We get so caught up with finding ways, solutions, and, well, we can use this thing as a water. We can lower it down. We can, and Jesus is just standing there saying, listen, if only you just knew who I was. If only you did not doubt my ability. If only you did not doubt the fact that I am able to bless you, that I am wanting to bless you. If only you understood that here I am with my hand open, I'm ready to release all that you need and more. But you must first recognize that I am who I say I am, that I have what I say I have, that I can do what I say I can do. That's what it comes down to. But she failed to understand his value. There's a story that, that I'm sure many of you have seen. It's like in the early days of, call it our modern internet, in 2007, there was a video that went viral of a very famous musician. His name is Joshua Bell plays classical music. And so what he did is just a few days prior to this experiment, social experiment we can call it, he had filled a large arena, an arena that at that time cost, the cheapest ticket was $100 for this particular event to listen to him play, and to listen to the orchestra. And here was this man, a gifted musician, a few days later, in the Washington, D.C. subway, the metro, the train station, with the same violin, with the same $3.5 million Stratovarius violin, Playing in the subway, the same person with the same valuable, expensive, costly violin that filled an arena where people paid a minimum of $100 each to listen to him. He was playing in the subway. And it was the busiest of time, the rush hour. And he thought to himself, you know what, there would be thousands of people who would listen. And maybe out of the thousands, a few hundred would listen. And maybe a hundred people would tip him. In the end, he only got $30 of tips. After 45 minutes playing six classical pieces of music, many of which is so complex. After 45 minutes, he had made only around $30 in tips. And then you ask yourself, how is it possible? Well, there were those who responded to the advertising, who booked their ticket in this large arena because they saw the value. 
And then when he found himself in the subway, in a setting that is not something that he is synonymous with or associated with, there were those who just did not know him. They did not regard him. They did not value him. But even to the untrained ear, he would be able to pick up there's something different. But also it proves this point, that who you surround yourself with matters. Your audience matters. This is why it's important to be in a space where you are celebrated. This is important why you need to be in a space where people understand, where they recognize and appreciate your value. But make sure that you do not walk away from that setting where you've never given anyone the opportunity to recognize and appreciate your value. Because it's so many times people speak of the value that they had. But while they were there, they never demonstrated the value. And so here was a man, Joshua Bell, who demonstrated his value in one setting, but in another setting he was discarded. They just walked on by. Maybe someone just looked at him. Okay, this is interesting. This sounds good. And so not only is it important to be a person of value, but also understand that not everyone will recognize and appreciate your value. And sometimes the setting you are in is what's actually holding you back in people seeing and recognizing your full potential and your ultimate value. Because they are focusing on one thing and not appreciating that which you have on offer. In Proverbs 18 verse 16 in the Amplified Classic, it says that a man's gift makes room for him. And brings him before great men. This speaks of princes and kings. Men who are great. Men of influence. And so we have to understand that what God wants to do is he does want and want to cause our gift, our fully developed gift to make room for you. But you have to develop your gift. You have to take the time to fully develop your gift. It's not just about having a somewhat developed gift. Because your season will not come unless you have applied yourself to the process of becoming a person of value where that gift of yours is not just somewhat developed, but it's become fully developed. That's where you need to get to. And a lot of times people will remove themselves from a situation that was meant to mold them and shape them or refine them for the season at hand. Sometimes, as much as we talk about acceleration, even some who got word this morning about acceleration, we all understand that it doesn't mean that God is just going to sort of necessarily build a bridge over something. Because again, challenges is necessary. Challenges actually help you. Because it serves as an opportunity for you to increase your capacity. And so you will find yourself, if you fast track yourself, or if you find a, a shortcut or a cheat code or a way in which you can sort of just navigate over a situation, you will find yourself in a season that you are not fully prepared for. And you will find yourself treading water because there is not a grace yet for that level that is required at that level. And so we have to understand that where every one of us are at, where you are at this morning, you are busy on a journey. 
It is a process of becoming. You might not see audiences as yet filled with people of influence, of stature, of greatness, kings, princes. You might not see them as yet. And to them, we, and, and to those situations, we have to remind ourselves that do not despise humble beginnings. Where you have to also have the grace with yourself and understanding that I'm busy on a journey. I'm busy with a process. And you know what? When you actually get to that season, when your season comes and the demand comes, because the demand comes and you entering your season and with the expectation that you have mastered the previous levels. And so when the demand comes, you have to ensure that you are able to live up to that expectation. And if you find yourself in a position, in a season that is now starting without the fully developed gift, without the grace to be able to handle things at that level and at that particular capacity, it's going to squash you, it's going to kill you, it's going to destroy you. A lot of us want to just be there quickly. But even when you truly are honest to, to yourself... You will look back at the times in your life where it might have been extremely treacherous times, difficult times. But with the benefit of hindsight, you're able to look back at those days and you can see actually how that has shaped you to become the person that you are today. You can see the benefit and recognize the benefit of those days. Even when you were to go back to those times, it's, it's tough. You would not wish that time over again. You would maybe not even wish that time on any one of your enemies because of how bad it was. And yet you would not have become who you are today if it were not for those times. See, ultimately life is going to try and squeeze you as hard as it can to squash you, to kill you, to destroy you. But this is where you have to realize what you are made of. Not only what you are made of, like in essence from the outside, but also on the inside. Because when life squeezes you, the question is, what comes out? If you squeeze a, a tube of toothpaste, you're going to expect toothpaste to come out, not shaving cream. The moment something else comes out of that which is on the package, you're going to throw it away because it's defective. And you're not going to be able to use it further because you cannot see the value in it. Why must I have this? I don't even need that. That's not what I wanted to buy. That's not what I actually paid for. I expect toothpaste in this tube and not shaving cream. I have no, let's say you say, I have no need for that. I want a toothpaste. And so when life squeezes you, what comes out of you? What should come out is life. What should come out as solutions. What should come out as faith. Because when life squeezes you and you've got this package of faith and life squeezes you and what comes out, well, yeah, yeah, I told you there's no hope for this country. I told you, you know, every, all of these Christians are the same. Then do not be surprised why it is that people do not value you. Because you're not living up to the expectation. You're not living up to that which you have professed. 
You're not living up to that which you've always advertised on the outside. That now that life is pushing at you, now that life is squeezing you, what comes out of you? So important. And so God has placed a gift on the inside of you. And it is that gift that needs to be developed. God has given you the gift. He's given you the seed of that gift. You have to nurture it. You have to grow it. You have to cultivate it. You have to prune it. You are the one who's responsible for fully developing that gift. So many Christians just want to negate all responsibility, putting all the responsibility back onto God. Well, God, you, you brought me here. You should do it. Understand that is an entitled mindset. And that is what we need to rid ourselves of. An entitlement mindset. Because that is the order of the day in 2023. An entitlement mindset. Where you announce you're coming to Cape Town and Cape Town has to make room for you. There is no room for you in Cape Town. Cape Town is full. It's saturated. You want to start a business? There's no room. You want to start a ministry? There's no room. You want to start a church? There's no room. You say, that sounds terribly pessimistic. Let me explain. An entitlement mindset says, I can come from wherever. You can come from a small rural town or a rural village or a small little place. And you come to the big city. And you come to this place with the idea that you're going to just come in here. You're going to just speak to five people. Tell them you are here because you're starting this business or you're starting that ministry. You're starting this church or you start whatever it is that you're going to do. And you just expect to people, people are just going to flock all over you. You come here, you know, saying I'm a musician and you're just going to have your first gig, you know, as you land. You know, you, you announce you're, a, you're this preacher. And you know, your, your itinerary is just filled up. Poof, three months, every week you, you're out. Preaching five times a week. Six times a week. Multiple services over the weekends. That's the expectation. That's the mindset. But there is no room. There's no room for you in Cape Town. In essence, there's no room for you in South Africa. So then what's the answer? What's the solution? It's this. is that your gift will make room for you. Even in an environment, even in an economic situation, a political situation, in a time where there might be a saturation, it is your gift that will make room for you and bring you among princes and kings. Your fully developed gift will make room for you. That is a promise of God. That's not Pastor Kevin's word to you this morning. That's not Pastor Kevin's golden nugget. That's not Pastor Kevin's word of wisdom for you for this week. That's the word of God. You can take it to the bank. You can stand on that word that if you will apply yourself to fully developing your gift, your gift, Gift will make room for you. Amen. An entitled mindset of, well, here I am. Just get out of my, uh, 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 hello. That spirit of pride, let me tell you. I don't say what the old men have said, but you're going to see it. You're going to see it. You're going to see it. 
In Proverbs 22, 29, I want to close with this. Is that it says, seeing thou a man diligent in his business, he will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Let me read this again. Seeing thou a man diligent in his business, diligent, speaks of intentionality, purpose, excellence. It's what gets you noticed. It's what makes you stand out. And you will eventually get to a place where you stand out so much where people cannot ignore you. You see, there's many times when you start to stand out, people get and feel threatened. And that's why they don't want to touch you. And no one ultimately wants to touch you because you're going to take their spot. You're going to take their place. Because they've got an entitlement. I was here first. Whoop-de-doo. Whoop-de-doo. If it was up to you and if you had it within you 20 years ago, you've already caused a place to turn around. Again, it's dealing with an entitled mindset. A spirit of pride. Instead of collaborating in the kingdom of God, it comes down to competing. And people are competing because they are trying to protect their own interests. Instead of putting their own interests and own agendas aside and saying, let's advance the kingdom of God together. Seeing thou a man diligent in his business, he will stand before kings. So in other words, the opposite is also true. If you're not diligent... If you're not intentional, if you're not focused, if you're not single-minded, if you do not apply yourself, if you do not work hard, if you do not sometimes have to burn that midnight oil, working hard on your gift, working hard to develop, working hard to put things into place, then you will unfortunately, if you do stand in front of anyone, it will be unknown men. That's if, if anyone even deems their time or, you, or being with you as worthy of your time. And then in closing, what I wanted to share was this, is that looking at Exodus chapter 4, verse 2, and also in verse 17, when God spoke to Moses, he asked him, like, what is in your hand? And then he said to him, take this rod and with it you shall do signs. What is in your hand? That was the first question. Then he said, a rod. And he said, take this rod because with it you will do great signs. The question I have for each and every one of you this morning is, what do you have in your hands? What is it that God has placed inside of your hands? Some of you might look at your hand and say, well, there's nothing. You've got a hand. Put your hand to the plow. Put your hand to the pen. Put your hand to the paper. Do something. Apply yourself to something. Because God promised that he would bless the endeavors of your hand. That whatsoever you touch shall prosper. That whatsoever you will put your hand to will be blessed. That's a promise of God. And so just say this out loud with me. Say, in the name of Jesus, I obtain grace to become valuable. I obtain grace to become exceptional. 
Come on, let's say this again as a declaration. In the name of Jesus, I obtain grace to become valuable. I obtain grace to become exceptional. Now believe it and then do it. Apply yourself to it. The Bible says in Genesis 12 and Genesis 13, I've shared this with you, but I want to just put it down again because you can see it's the word and it comes down to it all once more. Is that after God entered into covenant with Abraham, he said that he would be, um, that he would, God would make his name famous, that he would make his name great, that he would be distinguished. Just think about that. I mean, that wasn't even Abram's heart's desire. All he wanted from God was, give me a son. Give me an heir. Give me someone who would inherit all that I have. And isn't it incredible, the picture that we have once more of God is that God goes over and above that you could all, that, what you could ever think, begin to dream of, even begin to imagine. You ask him, Lord, I want a business. And he's saying to you, why just have a business? Why just have a spaza shop when you can have hypermarkets all around South Africa? Multiple businesses and multiple industries, multiple investments, a diverse portfolio. Get the picture? Because we approach God with our limited mindset, our limited understanding. And God, meanwhile, is seeing things from the perspective of eternity, the realm outside of time. And we are asking for things that are so small. A few weeks ago, I put this photo onto Facebook. It's something that ministered to me many years ago. If you go to my Facebook page, Kevin Davis, you'll scroll down, you'll find it. Where it's a, a, a photo where it illustrates Jesus engaging with this little girl. And Jesus is saying to this little girl, give me your teddy. And she's got this little teddy. And she says... I don't want to. It's so precious to me. And then right behind Jesus' back, you can see his hand already on this teddy, and it's like a teddy. And sometimes we look at that which God is asking of us, even when it comes to sowing a seed and putting a seed in the ground. As we believe God for the increase, but we do not want to release the little teddy bear. <laughs> We do not want to release that because of the value. Because sometimes what God is even asking us to give, it might be a sacrifice. It might be worth something that is really dear to you. I mean, we have sowed in the past when it comes to sacrificial giving, family heirlooms. And I'm an extremely sentimental person. I attach value to things. I mean... When, when Chantal and I just met each other, I mean, it's like every movie stub that I had, you know, it's there. Everything, you know, like the first cool drink I ever got, you know, I took the, what do you call it, the thingy off that you open the can with. I had that, you know. I had the, I had the packet. I had the, you know, that's, that's, how, that's how bad it was. Just because you add value to everything, you know, it, it, it serves as a reminder of those moments. How precious it is. And sometimes things are both valuable in its actual value, its monetary value, and also its sentimental value. But God says, that's what I'm asking of you. 
And then we think because of our limited understanding or maybe even our unbelief. God, I can't give that. Anything but that. But meanwhile, we fail to see what Jesus has in store for us. Just beyond. Making that decision to say, Jesus, I give it all to you. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you'd like to help Kevin and Chantel reach and impact this generation, thank you in advance for sharing this episode with your world. If you have enjoyed Dominion today, follow Kevin and Chantel on Instagram, Facebook, and your favorite podcast platform, or connect with them online at dominion.org.za.